you see what's happening at the border. All of a sudden, for the first time, we're getting gang members out. We're getting drug lords out. We're getting really bad dudes out of this country and at a rate that nobody's ever seen before. And they're the bad ones. And it's a military operation because uh, what has been allowed to come into our country, when you see gang violence that you've read about like never before and all of the things, much of that is people that are here illegally. And they're rough and they're tough, but they're not tough like our people. So we're getting them out. That was President Donald Trump last Thursday, describing his crackdown on undocumented immigrants as a military operation. Trump's comments undermined senior U.S. officials who took a much friendlier tone during talks with the Mexican government the same day. My name is Stephen Woodman. And I'm Duncan Tucker. You're listening to Viva Mexico, a podcast from Guadalajara offering news and views in the age of Trump. This week, we'll be speaking to award-winning Mexican-American journalist and author Alfredo Cochado and discussing how Mexico might respond to Donald Trump's anti-Mexico stance. There's a real sense of uncertainty for the daily crossers. I, I know, you know many people who, who have come over the years, they have uh, border, border cards, you know, to come in and so forth. Some of that work has made uh, on the U.S. side and then they commute back and forth. Their sense is, you know, you don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. You don't know whether we can come and work, whether we can come and shop. Just a whole cloud of uncertainty. You see this stinging sense of, uh, deepening sense of humiliation, uh, among the people you talk to. Humiliation, but also shock. That, you know, Mexico has always been sort of the wall to protect the United States interests, to help the United States. And so I think just the whole idea of a wall, the whole idea of, uh, of now, you know, the new immigration guidelines, it's, it's sort of a, a, a kick to the gut. As a, you know, as a Mexican-American journalist, I mean, I've always felt that one of the most important roles that I could play as, as a reporter is to try to sort of, with my reporting, you know, uh, try to build a bridge, a better understanding between both countries, between leaders in, in Mexico and leaders in the United States. Uh, but what's happening today it, it does, uh, it is, it isn't, it isn't insulting, you know, it's, it's insulting and it also makes you kind of question, maybe as reporters we have not done a better job of explaining the importance of Mexico to the American leader. So, Duncan, lots of political pundits have been talking about Mexico's importance to the United States. What exactly do people mean when they talk about Mexico's importance? And what does Alfredo Corchalo mean? when he says Mexico has always been a wall to protect the United States? Well, in recent decades, Mexico has always been a lot friendlier towards the United States than other countries in Latin America. It's, it's never been as hostile as other, other governments like in countries like Venezuela, Bolivia and Cuba. And more recently, ever since 2014, when there was a surge in um, un- unaccompanied migrants fleeing the terrible violence in countries like Honduras and El Salvador, the U.S. has uh, effectively outsourced its immigration control to Mexico's southern border with Guatemala. So it's got Mexico effectively doing its dirty work for it to stop immigration from Central America. On another note, Mexico's been playing an important role in highlighting um, how uncoordinated this U.S. government is because you've got two members of the administration coming down and basically flattering Mexico. You've got John Kelly, the Homeland Security Secretary, promising the military won't be used to deport people. And the same day, Trump describes his crackdown on illegal immigrants, as we had in the recording, as a military operation. 
So the official trip by the two top members of the Trump administration, it felt pretty bizarre. Um, it was just like any other official visit with the same language and the same presentation. But in the background, you've got Trump making all these these comments. So there's a real sense that maybe this administration recognises that it needs Mexico as an ally. But uh, Donald Trump needs to keep up appearances of being tough on immigration and trade issues. So last week, immigration officials, they launched raids on suspected undocumented immigrants across the US. And this was the first phase of Trump's plan to crack down on illegal immigration. Right. And we we saw the first human consequences of Trump's policies last week when the 45-year-old Guadalupe Olivas Valencia committed suicide by jumping off a bridge in Tijuana just minutes after he was deported for the third time in his life. Uh, Apparently, moments before he jumped, Olivas was heard shouting that he didn't want to go back to Mexico. And obviously, it wouldn't be fair to completely blame this on Trump because his predecessor, Barack Obama, also uh, deported record numbers of of immigrants. But it does illustrate the the tragic human consequences of the kinds of policies that Trump wants to implement. And we heard Trump in that speech speaking about Mexico and its criminals. Is it true that the Mexican drug cartels have a big influence across the border? Well, of of course, there's some Mexican cartel related killings in the United States. But the vast majority of violence between Mexico's drug cartels is the result of disputes over territory within Mexico. They want to control the corridors that enable them to smuggle drugs into the US. But once they're in the US, on US soil, they they have no reason to keep fighting each other because at that point they've already got the drugs where they need to go. Plus, on the US side, they tend to rely much more on local gangs and contractors. So most of the drug-related violence you see in the US is between lower-level gangs and street dealers. And that's the kind of violence that's simply inevitable as long as you have high demand for a prohibited product. It doesn't matter whether it comes from Mexico or any other country. So when Donald Trump talks about making America safer by kicking out the cartels, those are really just hollow words. How effective so far has Mexico's response been? I don't think we've really seen much of a coherent response from Mexico. It's been a bit underwhelming still. They started off very timidly, and I think maybe they've begun to take a slightly stronger stance against Trump in recent weeks. But I think the Mexican people still expect a lot more from their government. So the foreign minister, Luis Videgaray, has been taking a leading role in negotiations with the US. Um, Has President Peninetto been keeping too low a profile? Shouldn't he be out there right now providing leadership? Yeah, I think most Mexicans feel that there's been a complete lack of leadership from Peninetto. This is one of the most challenging times in recent Mexican history. And at the moment, the president's nowhere to be seen. Wouldn't most presidents regard this as a great time to be unifying the country and jump on the chance. Yeah, I think it would be quite easy for Peña Nieto to just take a kind of nationalist stance and stand up to the US and it would instantly make him a more popular president. At the moment, he's got 12% approval rating, so does, he couldn't really be less popular at the moment if he tried. So I don't know why he hasn't really uh, at least tried to stand up to Donald Trump. Yeah, the last I saw of him was at the flag ripping at the Dia de la Bandera ceremony, which was an unfortunate event. Uh, we haven't really seen him taking a role. It's mostly been Videgaray, hasn't it? Yeah, I think so. I think he's apparently pretty good friends with uh, Trump's son-in-law, Jared Kushner, and apparently the entire fate of the Mexico relation- Mexico-US relationship pretty much hinges on the, the relationship between these two guys, which seems pretty precarious to me. <laughs> There's quite a lot of concern in Mexico that there could be a full-on trade war. How damaging would that be to Mexico? 
It would be pretty disastrous. Uh, Cross-border trade at the moment totals $1 million per minute or $1.5 billion per day. Um, The US is Mexico's biggest trading partner. So any kind of trade war would have a pretty devastating impact on the Mexican economy as, as well as the US economy as well. And what can Mexico do to retaliate if there is a full-on trade war? Well, I, I recently spoke to Aristoteles Sandoval, who's the, the state governor here in Jalisco, and he was saying that they need to go through the courts in the US to defend migrants over there. He said Mexico should expand existing support centres for migrants and send legal experts to advise and defend them and try to block any attempts to deport them through the courts. Um, Vidigaray also said that they could impose tariffs on goods from states that are uh, particularly reliant on exports to Mexico, like Texas, Wisconsin and Iowa. And um, if Trump goes ahead with his plans to tax Mexican imports by 20%, then they could retaliate in kind. One Mexican senator has come up with a concrete proposal to uh, buy corn from Brazil and Argentina instead of from the US. So that could have quite a big effect if it was enacted, that proposal. Yeah, I think it's staggering that Mexico imports so much corn when it's always been a, a corn producer. And I think that's a consequence of NAFTA. And I think it probably would be healthy for Mexico to try and diversify and bring in corn from other countries as well, instead of just being so reliant on the US. Right. One person I interviewed this week was Sebastian Murayas, who's a business investments expert. And he was saying that Trump views negotiations with Mexico as a one-off deal that you either win or lose. But the reality is that it's a long-term relationship with a country that he needs as an ally because it's uniquely positioned. Yeah, I think the idea of a one-off deal is more true in the world of business that Trump's grown up in. But when you become the head of state and you have to deal with complex relationships, you can't just make a one-off deal to to win or lose against another country. You have to be able to manage a complex uh, long-term situation. Yeah, speaking of simplifying things, it's completely unprecedented for a US president to call the press the opposition party and the enemy of the people. But many Mexican journalists are actually used to dealing with threats and intimidation. We asked Alfredo Corchado to tell us a bit about his experiences working as a journalist south of the border. I started as a journalist trying to cover more of the issues of the immigration, the U.S.-Mexico relationship, etc. But obviously in the last 10, 15 years, you know, the drug violence became the big issue. And, and as a journalist, I had no choice but to, to cover that uh, maybe at times uh, a bit naive because I didn't understand totally the, the, the reach of the cartels and this was not a story that I was like, much interested in. But yeah, I mean, uh, I, I've had uh, a, a share of, of death threats that, that have happened. Uh, the last one in 2007 forced me out of the country. I was able to stay away. And then, you know, eventually came back. You know, the whole label of you're the enemy and, and feel like you're under siege yeah, by the government. I think it's important for American journalists to kind of look at the example uh, of Mexico or, or look at the dynamics of what happened in Mexico. Because I think there are many lessons that we can learn. And, and one of them, for example, is, is how to stand together. When you're writing about corruption and about possible involvement of, of government and, and killing and other crimes, it's to their benefit to try to shut down the press. I think the same thing with that's happening today with uh, the Trump administration is that, you know, they're afraid of the truth. I would tell people, look, we're not here. It's not a popularity contest. It's all about credibility and it's all about trying to hold the, the powerful accountable. Cochado also mentioned a recent survey that he worked on for Dallas Morning News 
that found that the majority of residents on both sides of uh, border towns felt a sense of community and a dependency on those on the other side. They were overwhelmingly opposed to the border wall and felt both countries would be better off finding ways to bridge their communities rather than divide them, although many people did show growing concern over drugs and security issues. Is there any evidence that the wall could actually reduce drug trafficking and illegal immigration? There's not a lot, no. Most drugs are actually smuggled through designated border crossings and most illegal immigrants are actually people who travelled to the US legally and then overstay their visa rather than people who sneak through gaps in the border. So I think it really makes very little sense to spend up to $20 billion on a border wall that's not going to have a major impact on either problem. You've been listening to Viva Mexico, a podcast from Guadalajara offering news and views in the age of Trump. If you have any comments, questions or feedback, you can tweet us at Viva Mex Podcast. You can also subscribe to our channels on YouTube, SoundCloud and iTunes.